welcome back to Eavesdrop with Eva. I'm so glad you chose to join me again. That means that I'm actually kind of entertaining. Um, today I have a real treat for you guys because what I did was I had an interview with the one and only Miss Lisa who worked with our family while we went through early intervention and she has so many tips and tricks for you guys and important information that you may find handy um, for your household in this interview and it's going to be great but before we get started there are a few things you're going to hear and you may wonder what is that so i'm going to explain those words briefly to you you may hear ifsp that's an individualized family service plan it's kind of like an iep but for children under three years old if you check out the Instagram page at eavesdrop with Eva, that is one of the do you know this word posts on my page. You're also going to hear IEP, Individualized Educational Plan. And that's for kids 3 to 21. Um, you get the, they get those when they join, enter into the school system. You're going to hear E-I. That's just an abbreviation for early intervention. And you're going to hear the phrase child find on the state's website. So, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDEA, it requires districts within states to seek out children that have disabilities that are in need of services. So, when they say call child find, what that means is call and let them know, hey, I think my child needs services. And then the state notifies the districts and districts seek out those children and help service them if they qualify. And that's how a lot of early intervention referrals come in. I'm going to warn you now, if you're listening to the podcast and you have your volume kind of low, you may want to turn it up a little bit for the interview questions because... Your girl did not do the best job recording the audio. You also may hear some sounds in the background, meaning you may hear a chair or a door. We recorded at Miss Lisa's house, and she's going to tell you in our interview that she has a child with disabilities, and he is an adult now, and he lives at home, and sometimes he moves around in the background, so you may hear that. Um... But I'm just going to hand it over to myself and Miss Lisa and let you guys enjoy. So tell my listeners a little bit about you because I know you, but they don't. So, Okay, I'm Lisa and I'm a developmental specialist and evaluator for early intervention. How long have you been with early intervention? Professionally, 26 years. You say professionally, so... That's because I say I've been in it for 31 years because my son went through early intervention when he was born. Okay, so that must be how you got started with early intervention. Yes. After Travis started school, I decided I didn't want to go back to teaching in the classroom, that I needed to do something different. And 
somehow fell into these the developmental specialist field and have been there ever since. So I've talked about early intervention on the show, but give the listeners a better idea of what early intervention is because I'm not the best at describing everything that you guys do. Well, um, early intervention is a program that is known in each state, I believe, that uh, is a program for children with a developmental delay from birth up to three years of age. Um, Early intervention provides special instruction, speech therapy, physical therapy, and occupational therapy. We do evaluations to qualify the child and and then we um, can begin services once they qualify. Awesome. So how much does early intervention cost families? It's It doesn't cost the families anything. It's completely free. Completely free. Now, okay, we do ask if you have insurance, but that's just so that that's on the record. Okay, but we don't bill it. We do file for, um, there is a Medicaid waiver that's available for the program, and we do file that with the parent's permission. Okay. And that just puts money back into the program. Okay, so what do the services that, that kids receive from you guys typically look like from referral stage to aging out? When a referral is made and it first comes in, we have 45 days to complete the whole process from the time that, that the children are evaluated until the IFSP, which is the plan of action, is finished between the service coordinator and the parent. Then that IFSP is given to the provider that is chosen and they have another 30 days to begin services. Okay, so it's a lot like an IEP. It's just for earlier ages. Right. The the uh, IFSP is the Individual Family Service Plan, so it includes the family. It's not just an educational plan like the school system has, so this, this plan includes the family. And so each, because it's individual, each one is different. So, Alright, so we've been talking about Mary's early intervention journey a little bit on the show and um, or the podcast. And um, you have my permission to share details. Um, I've shared with them already, so they know some things. So. But when you first met with Murray, what were those initial red flags that you saw that you were like, oh, this child needs some help? Yeah, I love that question because when I first met Murray, my immediate thought was this little redhead rules this house and all the people that enter. Very true. So, (laughs) you know, and I knew right away that she was going to be challenging because she had some behavior. And I can be honest about that with you, and I don't have to 
um, paint rose colored picture mm -hmm. with that because we've discussed that many times. Um, but um, some of the things that I noticed was that she didn't like to be touched. She didn't have a lot of eye contact. She wouldn't look at us. She had limited food choices that she enjoyed. Um, screaming was her only source of communication. Yes, and we had to figure that out. And, um, and she had very little interaction with anyone else, even her parents for that matter. You know, she she liked doing her own thing, and she only wanted to do things when she wanted to do them. So, all of that was big red flags. <laughs> yes. She was probably around 20 months old when she, when you first, 20, 21 months old. So, she was close to that 18-month mark. Um, what did you typically like to see our toddlers doing at around 18 months old? Okay, at that time... She wasn't even, she wasn't walking. Mm -hmm. So um, what we like to see is a child walking, um, babbling a lot, maybe even imitating some sounds, imitating some words, maybe even using a few words. And interaction, interacting with others. I mean, that's um, connecting with others. And um, pointing, pointing to what she wanted. Um, that wasn't present at that time and maybe even following a few simple directions that you know that you, where you use gestures with those mm -hmm. yep we didn't do those things <laughs> um, Murray's improvement was gradual I guess I would say do you agree like she was kind I, of a slow start to get to where she is today. She's a redhead. What do you expect? <laughs> um, it was a bit of a challenge and what I wanted to do first was um, break that barrier. I needed her to accept me and to trust me. And um, we used bubbles enough until, I mean, we had to find something that caught her attention and that's what Bubbles did. And we just used that to um, to introduce her to some sign language actually, getting her to mm -hmm. sign more. And, and once she opened up a little tiny bit, you know, we just kind of kept pushing our way in. She still liked to slam the door shut, but... She still does. But we um, we just kept banging on it, and 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 then it finally started working. You know, it was just really kind of crazy when things just kind of opened up for her. What do you think were some of the biggest influences on Murray's improvement while she was in early intervention? Actually, I think the greatest influence she had was you and your family Aww. because the things that I came into your home and we discussed and we talked about 
and I was able to pull ideas out of my bag of tricks or from my colleagues advice and we started using some of that you know little strategies to work into your daily routine and by you being consistent with that you know that's what helped Murray open up even more the other influence that I saw in her life young life was when she had to start daycare that time really and truly pushed her buttons and pushed her out of her comfort zone she went through about three teachers mm -hmm. that I know of I believe mm -hmm. okay the last teacher she had Miss J mm -hmm. was the perfect teacher for Murray I agree they were fabulous together she allowed Murray space when she needed it she didn't try to push this little square peg in a round hole and make her do everything that the class was doing it when the class was doing it and she let she also let Murray know that there are rules you know and you have to abide by them but she did that in a loving way and very consistently and very calmly mm -hmm. and uh, one of the greatest things I ever saw I guess was when Murray had too much mm -hmm. she would take herself out of the situation and she might rant a little bit but it wasn't like the old days you know with a full-fledged scream but she let you know she wasn't happy but it only would last for like a minute and then she would sort of ease her way back into the group mm -hmm. activity, whatever that was. She came back on her terms, and she was accepted in and then included. So we got to experience some, um, she loved outdoor play, and that was great uh, because she let everybody be around her during that. She didn't single herself out with that. And in classroom, once she came back into the picture, it got easier for her to be around other kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. Man, she had, she had so much fun with Miss J in her class. She's a different person now. But she likes calm people. Mary likes calm people. Oh, yeah. Calm people she does a lot better with. Now, would you say that her removing herself from the situation until she was ready to come back, that's a form of self-regulation, right? Yes. That's a huge step. Yes. And she, I mean, at the age two, she was learning how to do that. Mm -hmm. And how cool is that? I know. I mean, as an adult, I'm not too sure I know how to do that. Right? And that's what I was thinking about just now. A lot of times teachers want the kids to be included and involved at all times. And so if they try to go away, they're like, no, you need to come back here. We're right. supposed to be with the group. Right. And here, we're seeing that that's actually a way that kids like Murray can help themselves and help everybody else by just 
calming down, collecting themselves, and then returning. So I think that parents should look for those cues with their kids. Yeah. If your house is too loud, I mean, like, for an example, if you're if your child has a meltdown at Walmart, you know, or Cracker Barrel even, you know, those places are very, very loud. It could be too much stimulation. And, you know, it kind of bothers me when a child leaves early intervention and goes into the classroom, you know, as a teacher, as a student, we are all taught, you know, you're supposed to have your classroom full of mm-hmm. colorful things on every mm-hmm. inch of your wall and so on and so forth and how overstimulating is that you know mm-hmm. it, it makes you wonder why these kids don't really function in their classrooms mm-hmm. yeah I agree alright so what are things that you think parents should be looking for within their children if they're suspecting that maybe they need early intervention okay if your child isn't sitting up at six months Mm -hmm. uh, crawling by 12 months maybe babbling by six months or making some sounds um, imitating some actions by 12 months or there's absolutely no words at 18 months Um, actually if you're if you're not hearing anything from your child in 12 months Please contact us. Don't wait for your doctor to say... Like I did. (laughs) uh, Well, let's wait until your next six-month checkup and we'll see. I mean, actually doctors tell a lot of kids or parents that at 18 months and then they wait till two years old and there still hasn't been any progress and we only have a year to work with your child, Mm -hmm. you know, it's never too early, I mean, to work with a child. I mean, we might have to wait, you know, if first they don't qualify, and we need a 25% delay for them to qualify for the EI program. If, um, if they don't, give it about three or four months and then come back. You know, there's been children that we've evaluated the third time before they've actually qualified. Okay. So, so you can totally ask to be evaluated more than once. Oh, yes. Awesome. Um, so I guess that leads into the last question. How do you get your child set up to work with early intervention? Okay, well, you can, if you have a concern about your child's development, you can always ask your doctor for a referral. Um you can go through the state as a child, a number for child fine, and they will send you, they will send your referral directly to the district office. Or for a much quicker response, you can look up your local early intervention program. And if that service coordinator is, has availability in her caseload, then you can get services started quicker than going through the state. That's awesome. That's so much great information. Thank you so much, Miss Lisa. We love you and we appreciate all the work that you do. It's my pleasure. <laughs> we just love Miss Lisa so much at our house. And when I 
told her, like, we're so thankful for all that you do. You have no idea how thankful we are for all the work that she and her colleagues do to help our children. Honestly, they say the earlier you can intervene on your child's behalf, the better off they are. Especially if you have a child that you suspect is on the spectrum or has been evaluated and found to be on the spectrum. The earlier you can start servicing them and helping them figure out life that works for them, um, it helps them in the long run. And we have seen nothing but benefits from working with early intervention for Murray. So don't be afraid to reach out. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put the answers to some of these interview questions on my website. In case you wanted to read over what we spoke about in the podcast, I'm going to put it on my website, eavesdropwitheva.com. You may also see more pieces of the episode on my Instagram or Facebook page, at eavesdropwitheva. And I'm going to put some links to places that service children within the state of Alabama for early intervention on my website as well, eavesdropwitheva.com. So be looking for that information to be posted soon, and I will put a notification on the Instagram page at eavesdropwitheva, letting you guys know that I have done it, because sometimes I forget to do things. But I'll notify everyone via Instagram as soon as the website is updated. Be sure to follow us and subscribe and, well, I said us, me. <laughs> Follow me and subscribe and do all the awesome things and be ready for the next episode.